anyway. I'm not. I am not wrong. I am always right. <laughs> I am not wrong. It is a personality <laughs> problem. Flaw. <laughs> It's like uh, I've been watching Tana's videos, and she always it, she'll put up like on the screen like me trying to convince you that gross is a personality trait. And she's like, I don't know, I just don't shower very often. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, girl, I just can't. I refuse. She's like, I just, uh, it's part of me. I just, mm, That's just, just who I am. Mm, just gross. Mm. Just little girl gross things. <laughs> just, just little, just gross girly things. <laughs> little nasty girl, gross. Yep, very nasty. <laughs> Welcome to hysterical Great. history. I'm Alexis. I'm Haley. It's time for history. We're gonna um, get it done. Yeah. Sorry. For you. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna laugh. You're gonna cry. You're gonna sing. Oh. Because it's Galileo. Yeah. Figaro. Galileo. Magnifico. No. 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 <laughs> That's what everyone says to him. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. No, no, Galileo. No, no. You nasty old man. <laughs> Don't you do it. We're going to sit you outside the door with the jack-in-the-box. <laughs> you smell. You can't be in here. <laughs> we just, we're recording in the morning, which we don't normally do, and we bought jack-in-the-box, but I was like, it smells too much, so Haley set it out right outside the door like a dog. Like, you can't be in here. Right on Think the floor. Think about what you've done. <laughs> sit on the floor. Jack-in-the-box. That's perfect. You nasty. And we're going to put Galileo out there, too. You bag of crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you know about Galileo? Figaro. Um, that's pretty good. <laughs> just queen. That's all I know. Just queen. No. He was, he was a queen. And um, There was also that other song about him. Really? What was the other song? It's not really about him. It's just people made the joke. The, I throw my hands up in the air sometimes, saying, Ayo, I'm Galileo. <laughs> and it was him with like That's, a telescope being like, woo. That does, I have to find the meme. That does sound like him. <laughs> that does sound like him. Um, I know that he's a, a space boy. Yep. He looks at space. Yeah. I know that the church is like, no, no. Church is like, no, no. No, no. And he's like on house arrest, I think, for yeah. like a lot of his life. Mm-hmm. And um, he's sassy boy. Yeah. Like of all the science boys I've done, he's the sassy one. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tugo Brahe is pretty sassy. He's like rich boy sassy. Yeah. Galileo is like um, argumentative old Italian man sassy. To the church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like to anyone who's like... Mean at him, he's like, "Well, I'm gonna take you down. Okay? <laughs> I'll kill you. I'm gonna argue you until you sob. <laughs> so, bye. So, get ready for a little bit of that. <laughs> Woohoo! Anyway, Galileo Galilei. Mm-hmm. I just, I just want to start singing every time. Nerd turd. No, is that his given name? Galileo. Galileo Galilei. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Usually they change it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh. Yeah. It's like naming your son John John, you know? John yeah. Johns. Yeah. Uh, John like, John. John John. <laughs> it's like I had a music teacher whose name was Pat Patterson. It's like no. that. <laughs> Pat Pat. Pat Pat. Pat Pat. I mean, I would do that to a child. <laughs> yeah. I know you would. <laughs> Pat Pat. <laughs> you name him Strick Stricken. <laughs> Pat Pat. Pat Pat. Like, why is his name Strick? It's weird. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Wait till you hear his last name. <laughs> it all makes sense. 
Uh, so he lived from 1564 to 1642. Good for you. Yeah. He's a later boy. Yeah, he's kind of a later boy. He was a later boy. <laughs> she said, see you later, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't quite we'll work. workshop that. Yeah. He was an Italian astronomer, mathematician, physicist, who did a lot of stuff. Good for you. He has some important discoveries and opinions in physics and astronomy, mm. but his most important function in science and history is in like what we remember him for, is his refusal to use philosophy as science. That's very nice. Yeah. I appreciate it. And um, eventually refusal to use religion as science. Mm. And um, Good for you. <laughs> when those uh, opposed to him turned to the Bible and the church uh, for backup, it got him in trouble. Yeah. Because. Uh, the yes. church is still in charge. The church is in charge. He's like 100 or 200 years early. He's early. Like he's 200 probably. Yeah. And he's like on the cusp. He's an innovator. Mm-hmm. He's an innovator. Important boy. The church's case against him towards the end of his life is the capstone event of mm-hmm. the Copernican Revolution. Right. Um, that he accidentally started. Because uh, he yeah. stumbled into math and went, uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> In case you haven't listened to that one. <laughs> yeah, there's like a series here. There's yeah. other episodes. Yeah. As as well as just being like a unintentionally profound event for history of science and religion in general. It becomes a cliche almost at once. Right. Because uh, the emotion and melodrama of it is so much better than any <laughs> fact that yeah. could ever be. Yeah. And the problem now when we look back at it is we don't really know what people's intents were or how they were actually feeling about it. Right. So when we get to the end of his tale, there's going to be kind of diverging paths of what does it mean, mm-hmm. you know? Well, yeah, everybody who's writing about it has, like, an agenda. Yes. Yeah. It's it's history that encourages an adversarial interpretation of itself. Yeah. Um, which isn't helped by the fact that it's a literal trial. Right. Which there aren't that many ways for a trial to end. Uh huh. Especially when it's put on by the Catholic Church. <laughs> right. You're going to lose. Um, but also, like, when a lot of the documents about the trial and his life uh, were released mm-hmm. was right when uh, Darwin and the Darwinian controversy was a big thing and all the rage. Yeah. So people were a little inclined to interpret it a certain way. Right. As well. Instead of just to tell you the straight biz. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll discuss all that. Yay. We'll discuss all that. I mean, that's what happened with me with, like, Lizzie, mm-hmm. right? Lizzie Borden stuff. It's like... It's so hard to find the books to read because all of them are like, this is who did it, and I'm going to tell you why, and <laughs> yeah. only the facts about that support that. Yeah. And I'm like, what about this? And they're like, shh, no. How do you know about that? Shh, 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 no, 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 no. Yeah. And it's like, hmm. Every, like, when people write letters at this time, they're very stylized, and people are very polite to each other. Yes. And they're especially polite about the church, even yeah. if they don't like the church. Yeah. So it's hard to tell if someone's being sarcastic or genuine or if they like someone right. or maybe they don't mm-hmm. unless you read all the stuff or you're very knowledgeable about the time period. Yeah. So 
you'll have like half of the accounts say, oh, all these people really hated him and they hated each other and they were enemies. And some of them are like, they were pretty good friends and he, yeah. they were trying to help out each other. And it was actually him being nice. Yeah. It's but like, it's uh, like, oh, guess what? Nobody knows because they weren't there. So <laughs> They weren't there. So it's all just interpreting documents. And even then, have you never been to, like, a party or, like, a group setting where somebody, like, a girl said, like, a cutting remark to you mm-hmm. that sounded like it was, like, packaged as a compliment? And then you turn to your friend and you're like, that was so rude. And then they're like, she was nice. She was nice. It's that. Mm-hmm. But in historical documents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that. And you're like, it's the way that she said it. But we don't know the way that they're writing. So. The church. <laughs> Italy. <gasps> Did I ever talk about uh, Pope Sixtus VI <laughs> on here? You got really excited about him. When I mentioned him, I think. No, you guys said Sixtus the Fifth. The Fifth. And I'm like, is there another one? Did they ever do it? Yeah. Did, Did they? I, I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast. I don't know either. Or not. Anyway, I looked it up. Uh-huh. I found the notes for him. There is a Sixtus the Sixth? There isn't. Oh. Because <laughs> they were like, we can't. <laughs> it's too stupid. <laughs> it's too stupid. And then after Sixtus the Sixth, <laughs> then it's like Sixtus the Seventh? That's so dumb. Because you can't. No. I looked up Pope. So there's no Sixtus the Sixth. Uh-huh. Nada. I was briefly very angry <laughs> when I looked up Sixtus the Sixth, and the Wikipedia for Sixtus Four came up, and I read it without thinking because right. I don't look at numbers that well. <laughs> Roman numerals yeah. are my one weakness. Because <clears throat> uh, I was excited for, like, nothing Pope, uh, but he was, like, everything Pope. Oh. He did, like, all the things. Oh. Sixtus the Fourth was dope. And then Sixtus the Fifth is garbage. Um. Number four, built the Sistine Chapel. Oh. He created the Vatican Archives. Oh. He let artists and doctors use dead people to, like, study stuff. Oh. He made way too many cardinals. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He was involved in the Pazzi conspiracy to murder all the Medicis. Cool. I'm like, you did all the things. I mean. My dude. Yeah. Scheme to murder the Medicis is a fun time. You did all of it. Hell yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Look at you. Lots of popes don't do anything at all. Some popes dig up dead popes to yell at them. Yeah. And you did this. And, and then Good for you. he did a bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Lots of, like, lover of sodomites, warded uh, bishoprics in return for sexual favors. Cool. Lots of young men were the cardinals celebrated for being really hot. Mm. He's like, you know what? We could have more cardinals, but I want them to be hot cardinals. I want them to be young, hot boys. Mm, young, hot pants cardinals. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know. They're red hot in that red outfit. The English churchman and Protestant. Uh-huh. Uh, John Bale, writing a century later, attributed to Sixtus, quote, the authorization to practice sodomy during periods of warm weather. I'm like, oh. You know, when it's warm outside. You know. And <laughs> true or false, sometimes <laughs> in the summer, yeah, uh, summer boys, summer boys banging away, <laughs> just banging away, whatever. Oh gosh, don't worry about it. Young Galileo, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> Nothing, just my okay. notes. I was very excited about Sixtuses. Okay. Anyway, young Galileo. Unrelated. Galileo. <laughs> Completely unrelated, except that Italians being popes, I mm. guess. There's gonna be a lot of popes. Oh yeah. There um, always is in Italy. Galileo lives to or be France. 
like 80-ish. He's too old. He outlives a bunch of popes. It's really old. A bunch of popes. Uh, so he's born in 1564 in Pisa on the 15th of February. <laughs> Pisa. Pisa. He's an Aquarius. Not that, oh, it, hi. not that it matters. Me too. Hi. He's the oldest of seven children. His father was a talented musician and music theorist. Good for you. Which means he has to rebel by being a science boy. <laughs> yeah. Although, uh, interestingly, his father like did a lot of almost scientific mathematical studies okay. in music. Okay. So they're actually kind of similar. It's a c-c-c-combo. C-c-c-combo. There's mm. a lot of math in music. Right. True. They stayed in Pisa until he was around 10 before they moved to Florence. Firenze. Uh, Their household was very skeptical and argumentative, very Italian. Yeah. Uh, And uh, his his dad, uh, Vincenzo, was very sharp and, you know, challenging Mm -hmm. to young Galileo. So he he learned to um, have kind of a confrontational style. Yeah, and it makes him a smart boy with sources. Yes. Because you got to prove it. uh, His his dad... Sounds like my family. (laughs) Yeah. It it appears to me, says his dad, Mm -hmm. that they who rely simply on the weight of authority to prove any assertion without searching out the arguments to support it Act absurdly. I agree. You gotta cite your sources. Show me the proof. Show me your proof. Girl. Proof is in the pudding. So dad tries to uh, get him into medicine. Mm-hmm. He's like, you need to go be a doctor. And he's like, people are gross. I like space. <laughs> yeah. And they uh, go read, he goes, you know, you got to read Galen and Aristotle, the best Greeks. Galen, so bad. Some new professionals writing from the Islamic world and stuff, but Galileo keeps getting distracted because these Greeks are so wrong Mm -hmm. about so much stuff. Good for you. And it's just like when uh, there's a story about hail falling Mm -hmm. in Pisa. And according to Aristotle, the heavier pieces of hail uh, fall faster, so they'll hit first. Yeah. Which is not true. Nope. They fall the same. You, there's a terminal velocity <laughs> that is reached, and then everything falls the same speed. Everything falls the same. Pretty much. So uh, Aristotle, uh, the teaching, the thing that they're teaching the students is larger pellets <clears throat> fall faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Galileo's that butthole kid who's like, no, it doesn't. I have math. <laughs> he's like looking at it. He's like, I mean, I'm looking at it, and that's not what's happening. Right. Like, I can see with my eyes that that's not true. <laughs> Is no, did no one else look at the things when they said this? Does no one else watch when the hail happened? <laughs> Does no one look at this? So he goes uh, to school for medicine, but he starts getting really into math. Mm-hmm. He's a math nerd. He starts sneaking out and going to listen to math pros give talks. Sneaking out. (laughs) Illicit secret math talks. Little punk math bands. (laughs) Having concerts after Underground. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, Arguing with his regular teachers all the time. Mm -hmm. Skipping core classes Mm -hmm. so we can 
take more math. So he can think about math. <laughs> He's that nerd. It's amazing. He's like, I gotta be a math boy. I love it. Uh, and the school finally has to call his parents like, hey, your son's going to flunk out. And they're like, what? He's a genius. <laughs> no, they're like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, harsh. Yeah, it sounds like him. Yeah, he's an idiot. Yeah, he keeps uh, sneaking out to go to math things. Math camp. Yeah. Yeah, it's him. That's our He na- joined the mathletes. That's our nasty child. Mm-hmm. Nasty oldest child syndrome. Yeah, who we're trying. We're banking on. No, he has to go and be a math professor. Great. Why can't you be a doctor? <laughs> Why can't you just be a doctor? <laughs> I don't know how to do Italian. Why can't you be no, a doctor? That's not Italian. No, it's I just... went to Italy and I talk like that and they understood me. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> uh, Galileo asked one of these math pros, Ostili mm-hmm. uh, Ricci, the court mathematician, mm-hmm. to yeah. talk to his dad and asked to be made uh, his like special student boy. Special boy. And his dad's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like, <sighs> clearly you're not going to go to med school. Yeah, so I guess we give up on our hopes and dreams. <laughs> so Galileo does, and that's fine. Do whatever. He loses medical scholarship because all his uh, med school teachers think he's annoying and loud. <laughs> And won't shut up. And they're right. About the antiquity people being stupid and right. just like he's insufferable and we can't deal with it. See, I just want him to hang out with Ambrose Paré and then just be like, they're all dumb, right? Right. <laughs> they're all like dumb, right? Right. We can like measure this. They won't. Although, like, the the thing I love most, I think, about Ambrose Paré is that he's not really like a science boy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just like, I mean, practically that doesn't work. And yeah. he's like, what does practically work? Whereas Galileo's like, that doesn't work, and I can prove it to you with math. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, we can just test it. And Ambrose is like, I mean, I could just do it the different way. <laughs> yeah. Look, if I do it this way, they don't die. Yeah, nailed it. Wow. <laughs> he doesn't care why. It's just like, it, it's better, so it's good. And there are similarities. We'll get into that. Yeah. We'll have a little talk about philosophy. Cute. Uh, so he becomes a math tutor when he's in his 20s. Mm-hmm. And he tutors the students and just, like, dragged the old people yeah. through the dirt. Like, yeah. he's, like, taunted Archimedes. Yeah. Galileo's grand ambition was to land a mathematics chair at one of the big major universities. I mean, yeah. He wants to be, like, big, important. He wants to be a professor with money to research things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's young. He doesn't really have credentials. Yeah. He's pretty good at, like, networking. That's good. And he's pretty charming. This is another one of those things where people are divided on, like, who is Galileo? Because some people are like, he's, like, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of a nasty boy, and he can't keep his mouth shut. And other people are like, he's very prudent, and he's good at networking, and... Uh, his employers seem to trust him, yeah. and he knows, like, a lot of grand dukes for someone who just, like, can't shut his mouth. Right. So, it, it, I mean, <laughs> iffy. Bit um, of, probably a bit of both. I was going to say, like, that sounds like other people I've heard of, like, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like we were talking about earlier, Alexander Hamilton, who's like, he won't shut up, but, like, people are very interested in what he has to say, and he is smart and eloquent. Beep, beep. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. No. That's not even going to make sense to us. No. You're just going to say beep beep, and I'm like, what? Beep beep, I'm in a Jeep. 
<laughs> Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> so stupid. Anyway. Uh, so he, he wants to be in a university, but he doesn't really have the backup or the, you know, the muscles for it yet. Yeah. In 1587, the University of Bologna tantalized him with its chair of mathematics. Oh, he's going to be the baloney man of math. <laughs> he's going to be the baloney man. He's going to be baloney math man. Um, after its its current holder, uh, a priest named Dante died. So they kill him. Oh, he already died. He Never already, mind. He already I thought died. It was like, when he dies, you can take it. And I'm like, he's he going to murder. He already died. But Galileo needs to uh, launch a campaign to get it. Ah, so he goes to run. For yeah, it. he got to run. So he goes to Rome and gets the ear of Christopher Clavius, whose mathematics books are the standard in Italy. And he tears them up and sets them on fire. <laughs> and he goes, "Everyone's wrong but me." <laughs> I mean, they they become friends. That's good. He's uh... <laughs> that doesn't. You're not discounting what I said. <laughs> uh, but. Clavius is the guy who spearheaded the church's calendar reform a couple years okay. earlier. Okay. So he, he's got, like, one foot in the church, one foot in, like, practical in the math practical math stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, again, listened to our Copernicus episode, you kind of need good math and good astronomy to have a good calendar. Yeah. Which means you have to realize that the earth go around the sun. That's why Mayans did it, girl. <gasps> they did it. They girl. used that sun and that moon, and they were like, boop, 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 end am- of the world. Amazing, <laughs> except for we just all disappeared, so we ran out of calendar space. Um, but the this math wizard treats, he treats Galileo well, but he's kind of just like, keep trying, buddy, mm-hmm. and pats him on the head uh, when he sees Galileo's theorems. And he doesn't really get a recommendation, and the chair goes to some other guy who's like oh, 10 no. years older and has more stuff. He lost the baloney chair. Published, and he doesn't get the baloney chair. It's so, like, that's a huge blow on his life. I know. <laughs> now he's going to be a loser. Galileo's all distressed. Hmm. You either win the game of baloney or you die. <laughs> or you die. <laughs> also, it's just funny because it's like, I don't know who is a baloney chair of math, you know, but uh, I know who Galileo is. Yeah. So, so just it's a good <laughs> yeah. it's a good talk for like you know sometimes you're gonna miss out on opportunities that you think you're gonna be the thing of your life. Yeah. And and you're wrong. And like, who got that chair? No one knows. Who cares? Like his mom. Yeah. Whatever. His mama knows, but she did. So. <laughs> yeah. So is he. he <laughs> Everybody did. dead in this they story. Did. <laughs> Uh, Hopefully. So instead, he looks to pursuing the mathematics chair at Pisa and Florence instead. Oh, okay. And he meets more powerful friends, including a marquis who is into math, who introduces him to the Grand Duke Ferdinand, mm-hmm. who is a commander in the Venetian army, and there's just good connections. There's just so many good connections. He gets a break when some academics in Florence ask him to give a lecture on Dante. Sweet. And in Renaissance Florence, Dante is a very, very serious subject. A little important. And people are, uh, people show up to listen to your lectures on it. It's so nerdy. People will show up. And like, once again, Dante and, uh, I mean, literary 
Galileo math. Mm-hmm. So what's he going to talk about? Well, the math. He talks about the size and shape of hell. Okay. But the big showstopper is how big is Satan? Mm. How big is he? So if it's you like a game show, <laughs> I know how, how big, big is, is he? he? Uh, except there is an answer because ah. math. Twelve. Mm, close. Mm. I guessed. Uh, yeah. Twelve is decent. I also didn't give a, <laughs> a unit. I just said twelve. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Nailed you know it. when you're guessing a stupid thing like twelve. Yeah. You don't need. Whatever units they're using, yep. 12. Yep, whales. <laughs> okay, what's the answer? What's happening? <laughs> well, I want to, well, so if you if you don't understand why how big is Satan is, like, even a question. I don't. Um, so Because he's eating people in his mouths, right? Yeah, but so at the very center and bottom of Dante's hell, Satan is, like, trapped in the ice, and he's a giant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just like a big, big monster dude, and he's like eating the the worst of the bads. Yeah, uh, Judas and Brutus and another one. <laughs> yeah, I never remember the third one. Nero? Is it Nero? I don't think. I think it was like two people who were involved with Caesar. Yeah, and then Judas. Uh, but I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, I'll Google it. Who is Satan eating? <laughs> who is Satan eating? <laughs> it's my favorite it sounds game like show. a morning talk show segment <laughs> normal normal when they um <laughs> he chews on judas iscariot marcus junius brutus and gaius cassius longinus <laughs> of course <laughs> you know that guy yeah and the other one he's on coins <laughs> and ringo this guy <laughs> yeah he also was helping with killing caesar and we should totally stab Caesar. Should totally stab Caesar. Anyway, so his name is Longinus. Like <laughs> Longinus, it's terrible. <laughs> so we should look him up. He's probably funny. <laughs> yeah, and he's an assassin. So hilarious. Mm. That's good for me. So I'm gonna kind of go through it. Mm-hmm. Let us speculate on the size of Lucifer. There's a relation between the size of Dante and the size of the giant Nimrod in the pit of hell, and in turn between Nimrod and the arm of Lucifer. Therefore, if we know Dante's size and Nimrod's size, we can deduce the size of Lucifer. Mm-hmm. He's basically just making a fun high school algebra problem out right. of it. If this thing is this tall and this, this tall... What um, is this? And of course, we have some assumptions. We don't know Dante's exact height. Sure. But uh, just go with average. Yeah. We assume average height, maybe a little shorter than Galileo himself, he imagines. Something like three arm lengths. <laughs> Galileo's like, not quite as tall as me. <laughs> not as tall as me. Of Nimrod, Dante had written, his face was about as long and just as wide as St. Peter's Cone in Rome. So we have a mathematical clue. Cool. Galileo seized upon the passage, for it gave scientists something specific to measure. Right. If the face of the giant is the size of St. Peter's Cone, it will be five arm lengths and a half. Since men are usually eight heads tall, the giant's face will be eight times as large. Therefore, he will be 44 arm lengths tall. Mm. From this, this is all just... 
blah, 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 Dante <laughs> the man, math. the formula then must be 3 is to 44, as 44 is to X. Therefore, the arm of Lucifer is 645 meters. Since the length of an arm is generally one-third of the entire height, we can say that Lucifer's height will be 1,935 arm lengths or 1,935 meters. Mm. So Lucifer is 1.2 miles tall or... About 6,348 feet. You know what 1.2 is if you take away the point? 12. 12. Nailed it. Nailed it. So good at numbers. But I want to give you some comparisons because I just got really obsessed with this. 1.2 miles. Okay. He's as tall as the Kentucky Derby is long. Okay. He's three and a half Sears towers stacked on top of each other. Big boy. Six Eiffel Towers tall. Big boy. If you started with one Lucifer on his feet at the bottom of the Marianas Trench, it would take four more standing on shoulders for one's head to pop up out of the ocean. (laughs) Four Satans stacked on top of each other. (laughs) Yeah. In a trench coat in the Marianas Trench. (laughs) Well, Ah! five total. They're in the trench. (laughs) Tell one of them. Trench coat! Pops their head up. Trench coat Lucifer! In the Mariana (laughs) Trench. That's his coat. Okay, sorry. If you have children, you can mute it now. Because we're going to go on the nasty Google dive I had to go on. Oh, no. Because you know what I had to look up next. Sure. You know I had to do it to Mm -hmm. him. You know I had to do it to him. Anyway, what is it? I mean... Just go. Listen... You, well, so first of all, I had to look up, listen, Google, is there just like a clean and easy average ratio for height of person and your weenus length? Yeah. And gosh, the internet gets really cagey when you start asking that question. Yep, they get upset. They get real upset. Because short boys get mad. <laughs> they get real upset. They get real upset and cagey. My wife thinks my ratio is lovely. Uh-huh. I don't care. This That's is, not what I'm asking. I just need to know because of Lucifer. I'm I don't, just asking about science. I don't care. This is for this is for Dante, not for you. And the answer is yes or no. Um well, I I figured like kind of a range mm-hmm. of ratios. Okay. Um, but I figure somewhere between three hundred and five hundred feet. Okay. So, some things that fall in that range, Mm -hmm. the Washington Monument. Okay. The Louisiana State Capitol Building. (laughs) You're going to say the Louisiana Purchase. (laughs) I'm like, I don't think so. Uh, The Los Angeles City Hall. Okay. The Great Pyramid of Giza. Okay. Big Ben. But that's on the smaller end. Okay. It's funny enough. Yeah. And uh, small Ben. (laughs) Small Ben. (laughs) And St. Paul's Cathedral mm. are all getting churchy. I think approximately in the range, if I had to think of it mathematically, according to Galileo. Yeah, but Galileo didn't do this math. No, disappointed. Disappointed. I mean, at least he didn't lecture about it. Yeah, I mean that's. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but what Those a are shame, churchy people. I mean, what's the first thing everyone's like? So now that we know how tall he is. How big? I mean, I mean, that's the first thing you think. I I mean, no. What else? You're also assuming he has one. There's gotta be. No. I mean, not necessarily. I mean, there's a uh, a sci-fi book about a um, sci-fi writer in the '80s who dies and mm-hmm. goes to 
um, kind of like an 80s version of Dante's Hell. Yeah. And uh, Mussolini is his Virgil, and mm-hmm. it's kind of very cute. It's adorable. But to get to heaven, he has to, like, get to Lucifer, and, like, he finds a little crack in the ice uh-huh. and just starts climbing down uh the devil's, like, body hair. Right. And eventually gravity reverses, and he ends up, like, coming out the other side of the, like, world. Uh Uh-huh. And I always remember there's a passage where he's like, I kept expecting to see just a massive dong the size of a skyscraper, and it just never happened. And it's nothing. And it's nothing. I'm like, would it actually be the size of a skyscraper? And now I know. (laughs) Now you know. With math. Hooray! it would be the size of a skyscraper. Dante's Inferno guy... Which yeah. is like, it's a story. <laughs> I mean, but this guy in a version of Dante's Inferno. Sure. It, yeah. He right. He right. Yeah. I mean, he said he didn't see it, but he right. He right. Yeah, if he did, mm-hmm. that's about the size there you go. that it might be. Now we all know. Now we all know. Anyway. Uh, anyway, you can turn the mute off <laughs> of your... They won't know because it's muted. <laughs> How will they know when the mute comes off? I don't know. Off? They just, like, fast forward a bit, maybe. Okay. And unmute. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the head of the Florence Literary Academy there was very impressed. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, wow, he's a math boy. Wow, how big was it? Yeah, teach me again about Satan. Uh, eventually helps Galileo in getting professorships of mathematics in both of the places he eventually ends up teaching. Nice. So that's cool. That's great. Galileo, event- he thinks about leaving Italy, but he publishes a bit and at last gets that... Good old three-year appointment starting job at Pisa as a junior lecturer. Hell yeah. Good job, boy. Good for you. Pisa's kind of a backwater university. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, It's kind of, like, at best, it's kind of like state school Mm -hmm. um, level. He isn't paid much. He doesn't respect the old tenured professors, especially the ones that are obsessed with Aristotle's teaching. Of course. There's the, like, thing about science outside versus inside universities. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably notice that, like, around this time and after, a lot of the good science is all happening outside universities. Right. It's because the stuff inside universities is really, really entrenched in antiquity. And it's really hard for them to break out of it. Yeah. It's really hard. It doesn't... the, the problem with, like, you know, looking back to the old times is it's like, one, they don't know as much as you do, obviously. And two, like, it doesn't inspire any new thought or innovation. It's like they're yeah. right, and if you say they aren't right, you're wrong, and I won't listen to you. Right. Instead of like, oh, that's a good point. Let's think about it. Let's try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, you know, all the good innovations are happening from just – random guy working in his basement or, like, all these, yeah. you know, casual noblemen who have nothing else to do. It's right. Like, that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, so besides besides medicine, medicine's kind of the one exception. Yeah. Now that we've gotten past the Ambrose Paré time of, like, listening to the people from the old time and they realize, like, hey, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Me- medicine has such immediate consequences. Yes. That. It, you don't have time to sit around and pretend like things yeah. work when they don't work. You can't just, like, argue about merits. You can't be like, well, it could have saved him. And it's like, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. So we need to try something else, huh? Yeah. 
Uh, but outside of medicine, professors just weren't innovators. No. Research wasn't a thing that happened in universities. I mean, especially for, like, specifically Galileo, like, things yeah. like space. It's like, who cares? Right. And, like, they, most of it's like, they don't know. So. And one thing that's surprising about Galileo is he doesn't get into astronomy until much later in his life. Right. For a long time, especially, like, at Pisa. It's just math. Uh, it's just math. But even that. Like physics and stuff? Um, like, Math is under the category of philosophy still. Oh. And... Math's not real. Your duty as a professor is a preservationist. Ah. You're just there to keep the old teachings in order and make sure the students get it. Which is, like, the opposite of what Galileo wants to do. Right, because he's like, it's wrong. But I know it's wrong. (laughs) But I know it's wrong. I can prove it's wrong. I can go prove it, right? I measured it. Come on. Uh, useful science differed from practical knowledge because you could systematically organize it and uh-huh. you can measure it. And it's not perfect because philosophy is all about absolutes and rules and, you know, yeah, all these things. But measurement in science is always approximate. Right. No matter what you measure, you can always measure it a little more precisely. You can always improve a little bit, Mm -hmm. which is scary, but it means you can improve on it. Galileo's math and physics were based on actual measurements, which led him to his law of falling bodies, for instance. Like his um, his theory about tides, which is based um, on like the Copernican theory, because Uh if the earth doesn't move, then what's moving the water? Right. Like, you would literally need a miracle to move them if the Earth isn't yeah, wandering around somehow and right. there's no other forces at work. It's like, they should just sit there. Um, but that's not the medieval way. That's not how Aristotle does mm-hmm. it. And causes are revealed not by measuring but by reasoning, and nobody has time for his crap. Let's just think about it. Let's just think Let's about just it. Let's just make wild guesses. Galileo has a quote from 1606 that I love. Mm-hmm. What has philosophy got to do with measuring anything? <laughs> I mean, he right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, philosophy majors. We're going to crap on you a little bit. Sorry, but I'm not sorry. Um, Just a little bit. But, uh, well, and the thing is, like, imagine currently. Yeah. If you're, like, talking to, like, a carpenter or something, and then... He's, like, measuring it, and you're like, but what do we think about it? But what about the perfection of form? He's going to be like, shut up. What's the length? Tell me the number. But, like, what size? Tell me the numbers. I want a, I want perfection. I have to do math. The ideal um, essence of house. And he's going to be like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you're, not, you're not paying me enough perfect essence of money for That's this. That's right, so <laughs> shut up. I'm going to perfect essence the hell right. out of it's you. It's like it it sounds like when like really bougie rich people talk to like people who do blue collar work <laughs> yeah. about how they want them to do it yeah. instead of what they want them to do. Mm-hmm. And so then they're like, "What?" And this is one of those things where I'm like, "Oh, that's the same time this is happening." Because uh, it's not just Galileo. Uh-huh. Between 1605 and 1644, books appeared in England, Italy, and France, all tearing into the Aristotelian uh, 
Natural Philosophy. Good. By, you'll know these names, Francis mm. Bacon. Oh. A Galileo from Italy. Heard of him. And Rene Descartes. Oh, heard of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got a girly name. Mm, yeah. Cartesian Philosophy. Mm. You've maybe heard of it. The Cartesian. Uh, subject matter between them is very different. Sure. Uh, but they all... Agree. Aristotle's philosophy is bad science. They're those memes of, like, hands that are all touching the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bad science. Can't do They're it. They're all like, we hate the bad science. Um, they. It's interesting, though, because of the three of them, Bacon and Descartes have philosophies named after them. Galileo don't. Because mm-hmm. he ain't a philosophy boy. He is adamantly not about philosophy. He's like, it's bad. Go he away. He doesn't need to find the cause of things before measuring them, which is incredibly offensive to philosophers. Mm-hmm. Uh, even now, to some extent, but insufferably yeah. back then. Right. It's, um, like, even Rene Descartes, for example, rejected Galileo's science out of hand because it hadn't begun. Like, the very first mm-hmm. step was an investigation of the causes of motion and of the heavens. Right. It's like you didn't you didn't talk about why the heavens. You didn't start. You didn't But you why? You didn't say why you're doing stuff before you just do it. But why the causes of motion first? And he's like, "Ugh." See, and I'm like, this is where I'm like, Galileo and me are bros cuz like the thing, sorry, I'm going to crap on philosophy for a minute. The thing that I hate the most about this is like Lane and I have been talking about this cuz he's in a philosophy class. It's just not useful. Yeah. Like, in a practical way. And if things aren't practically useful, like, I don't care about them very much. And it's... I'm just... I'm a very practical person. And so, like, when people make, like, an argument, like, wouldn't this be the best way things could function? I'm like, yeah, but we can't do that. So, like, why are we even wasting time on it? And it's so unfortunate because the problem with... The problem with, like... dismissing something because you haven't addressed the cause of motion or, like, what causes heaviness is that uh, Newton hasn't even been born yet. Yeah. You are not going to discover or even have the language to describe gravity yeah. for a long time. Right, and just, like, it, it devalues everything that <laughs> yeah. Galileo's doing just because he's not doing the one part of it that you really care about, I guess, where it's like, yeah, but he's... Like, proving it, and it's correct. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe we're just like, oh, look, that is right. Even if we don't know why it's right, it is right. And in the meantime, you're losing out on a stepping stone. It's like when I do a math equation, I get the right answer, and I don't know why, but it's right. (laughs) So that's the thing where they're like, oh, show your work. I'm like, it's the right answer. (laughs) Yeah. I figured it out. It's like maybe my work doesn't make sense, but it's right. Yeah. And it's like someone being like, well, you didn't show your work, and um, I don't care if it is right, and also we're going to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if they do ignore it, that means the next person to try to do math, like, doesn't have that better foundation to work on. Yeah. So everyone They loses. don't know the right way to do it. Everyone loses. Hooray! But the philosophers who are the reigning intellectual authority in academia and just everything mm-hmm. at the time— Regarded Galileo's science as beneath contempt. <laughs> they, it's it's trivial <sighs> and it's inadequate. It's just it's so funny thinking about people being this <laughs> uppity about this. They're so uh, just full of 
fire about it. Because, I mean, it. people are uppity now about science things, but it's not this. Mm-hmm. It's always, yeah, it's funny because it's like it's always something. Yeah. Because, but, like, <laughs> yeah. but this thing is, like, if, if someone even made this argument, like, you have to explain this, like, in that, like, people want you to do the philosophy because if anyone hears this randomly, they're like, of course you just do the answer. Why would... <laughs> Just, why does it be, but why it doesn't matter why it just why? is the way it is hopefully some point we find out why but I, I know like in in schools now at least when you're very young you have to beg teachers to explain why explain the why yeah because they're like to, it's not important you just you have to learn how to do it yeah just add <laughs> just three plus four just do it because it because it is where it is yeah just too bad stop which is a problem all the time I think that's the problem they're running into. It's like, Aristotle's right just because he is. Don't question. Don't question it. It's also funny because at some point, uh, Christianity, at least, was very threatened by Aristotle. Yeah. It's like, cycles just happen. Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. People get used to the old stuff. They like old stuff. And then innovation is stressful. Yeah. (laughs) They don't like to change their mind. Don't want to grow. No. No, can't. No, it that's different than what I was taught, so I don't like it. It hurts. No, I don't want it. No. So at the university, Galileo immediately developed rivalries with like everyone. Oh, I'm sure. Like, and uh, with all the older established professors, of course, all the ones with like yeah. clout and weight, uh, particularly all the you know conservative philosophers. Yeah, they're gonna be so mad. Uh. Historians have generally been skeptical of his experiment of uh, tossing weighted things out of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Sure. To test the law of falling bodies. Mm. But it's very possible that it happened. Yeah. There's letters of one of his conservative colleagues uh, doing it. Okay. Just to prove him wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and according to the story, the demonstration was performed by him for his students and some professors. We don't know if he did it in, like, the Leaning Tower specifically. Right. Uh, but it definitely wouldn't have been just to, like, demonstrate. It would have been to convince his students and the professors and being like, see, maybe we should change the curriculum. Right. Which it, th- That's funny to me because in a lot of, like... When you watch, like, old high school TV shows, they do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. They'll drop an egg and a watermelon off the roof of the school, and they're like, see, they have to grow at the same time. Yeah. It's just, like, basic fun time to get students out of the seats. And yeah. Then... And they're like, ooh, it exploded. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the important thing is that, like, a watermelon exploded. And an egg. Uh, but, yeah, someone at least does it. Yeah. And a later dispute with a professor of philosophy at Pisa who conducted it. Um, of course, that professor supports Aristotle. Mm-hmm. He find he found, I guess, that the weights do not hit the ground at the same time. Uh. He's like, they don't. You're wrong. Did you have someone down there checking? <laughs> yeah, who uh, you didn't hire? He he did, uh, but of course, it's not in good faith at mm, all. No. And Gallo writes back to him, and he says, Aristotle says that a hundred pound ball falling from a height of a uh, hundred cubits hits the ground. Before, a one-pound ball has fallen one cubit. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Right. Then, like, even if they didn't hit at the same time, like, we mm-hmm. Also, like, that you have the human error of letting go at the same time. Yeah. There's a lot of problems. Issues. He continues, I say they arrive at the same time. You say 
on making the test that the larger ball beats the smaller one by two inches. Mm-hmm. Now, behind those two inches, you want to hide Aristotle's 99 cubits. And speaking only of my tiny error, remain silent about his enormous mistake. Right. Ooh, the sass on this man. Ooh, the sass He's like, on hmm, him. Who's more wrong? Hmm. Me or Aristotle? <laughs> Who has more error in his message? Hmm. Is it me or is it the dead man? Do you think that maybe if an average person saw two things hit the ground and one was two <laughs> inches behind the other, they'd be like, hmm, same time. Pretty close. Hmm? Hmm. That if you said, is that same time or is that 90% late, that they'd be like, hmm, same time. Maybe worth doing a couple more experiments. Yeah. Maybe correcting for user errors, yeah. other factors. No. Aristotle. Make a dropping machine. Right. Time them. Something. No. No. Anyway, it's uh, maybe not surprising that his three-year contract was not renewed. (laughs) (laughs) Not renewed. They did not invite him back. It's so frustrating, though, like, when you're right. Yeah, he's right. It's provable. He is correct. And, like, that guy with his experiment, like he said in his letter, like, proves him more right. Mm -hmm. So he's like, hmm. It's like, you were wrong. It's like, but I'm more right. It's like, People are like guess what? Mm, but you're wrong. I don't like facts, so you are fired. <laughs> <laughs> you're annoying and young, and I hate you. Also, in case you don't know, when, when people are like, we didn't renew your contract, you got fired. You got fired. Like, the automatic <laughs> thing yeah. with this is to renew your contract. When you're a teacher, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. The You have to go out of your way to not renew it. Yeah. So... He got fired. He got fired. He got for fired. being right. <laughs> <laughs> a little backwards state school is like, we don't want you anymore. I know, like, even a crappy school mm-hmm. is like, nope, you're annoying. Go away. In uh, 1592, luckily, with support with uh, from all his earlier patrons and all of his, like, tutor people, like mm-hmm. um, his tutees. Tutories? <laughs> Students? I know what you mean. <laughs> the people you tutor. Yeah. What is the word? They're just students. <laughs> Tooties. Tooties. <laughs> uh, titsies. The titsies. And, uh, and the strength of his work at Pisa. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't appreciate it, but it is good work. Yeah. He's appointed mathematics professor at the University of Padua. Bajwa. With a salary three times bigger. Suck it, Pisa. Suck it! <sighs> Padua is renowned throughout Europe as a good university. I've only heard of it because of Shakespeare. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's uh, attended by many young foreign noblemen destined for military careers. Mm. It's renowned throughout Europe for its medical program, but its mathematics program is second in Italy behind only Bologna. Bologna. And the guy who got the chair at Bologna was like, to be honest, I would have preferred Padua. Mm. So, good poll. Nicely done. Around this time is when Gallo actually gets into astronomy for the first time. Mm-hmm. There's no real signs of that he's into it until 1595. Okay. Uh, when he hits upon a mechanical explanation for the tides that, as I explained... Needs some kind of movement explanation. Did he say the moon? I 
Don't think he did. Probably not. Probably not. But that's fair. I think um, our modern idea of the tides is surprisingly recent. Right. Um, but I'm not sure how recent. Definitely but I mean, not. Like, you have to, like, understand gravity. Yeah. And if you don't, then you can't get it right. Mm-hmm. And they don't. He's at the point where he's like, you need something to move. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for a stationary body to have tides go in and out. We don't have Mr. Newton yet, so we don't know about gravity. Yeah. So it's it, like something's doing something. It, it makes the most sense to him to have at least two circular motions of the earth to explain the water sloshing. You're right. Uh, in 97 is the first evidence we have of him having any preference for the Copernican system. Oh. A German visitor left with him. I mean, he's got to look at that Copernicus math and be like, ooh, yeah. It's good. That's good math. Yeah. The only difference. Like, he looks at the Brahe one. He's like, doesn't work. Like, <laughs> functionally, they're pretty similar. Yeah. There's the only, math. There's Mathematically, they're identical. Oh, sure. Mathematically, they're identical. There's really no mathematical reason why you can't do one over the other Mm -hmm. um, until you get to, like, really nitty-gritty little details that, like, I don't think they even know about at the time. Right. Uh, Like, I think when you get to knowing about Jupiter's moons and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, which he discovers, Galileo does. Good for you. Um... I think at that point <laughs> it starts to fall apart. Yeah. But at the at the moment they are same. They're basically the same sure. except for the fact that Tuco Brahe's um like actual model, like what the math represents is absurd. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Mathematically uh identical in reality no. useless. You're dumb. Like <laughs> What? And Galileo Galileo writes about that. He's like, if the sun has any power to move a whole bunch of planets every day, there's, like, no way the Earth would stay there. Yeah. Like, what? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, So a German visitor left with him a book published by Johann Kepler. Oh. Who we've talked about before. Heard of him. He is the kind of co- conspirator, co-worker, and inheritor of Tuco Brahe's uh, notes and work. I'm going to destroy this whole man's career. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like make it way better because <laughs> he is an avid Copernican advocate. Yeah. He's like, all the math is good, but I'm going to make it better. And also, like, you're wrong about Tuco's being stupid about model, it. So make it better. Stop messing with it. Um, so, it ain't broke. Don't fix it, <laughs> it ain't Tuco. Broke, don't fix it. But they start writing letters to each other. It's really cute. Cute. Galileo thanks Kepler, and um, he says he has long accepted the new astronomy and explains that there are things that just can't be explained, which is the tides. You right. And he added uh, that he hasn't been teaching it, and I'm pretty sure in his entire teaching career, he never teaches the Copernican theory mm. because its uh, numerous foolish opponents made it dangerous. The church boys... Dangerous. The churchy science boys. As men of science, they are so thoughtful and cautious and prudent and as much kind of like bluster as Galileo has. It's really obvious like how 
how much fight he has in him. Yeah. When you look at him compared to like Copernicus, mm-hmm. who <laughs> will always prefer to stay home and Sad like little boy. stay in his room and Netflix and chill. It's like no. But You're I want to be mad at me to give you an example of like someone else who's living at the same time who has no chill. There's um, a guy, Giordano Bruno, mm. uh, who's known for his cosmological theories. He's also Italian. Uh, yes, <laughs> he's a little Italian, mm-hmm. uh, and he has what Wikipedia calls um, conceptually extended the Copernican model. Oh. Uh, he's getting philosophy in it, or no? He's just a complete loon. Okay. Let me tell you some of the weird stuff he thinks is real. He's just a loop-de-doo. He's, also, he's like so out there. No one can even believe what he's talking about. Listen to this. Listen uh-huh. to this. He thinks the stars are distant suns. Oh. Surrounded by their own planets. Hmm. What? He Prove it. He raised the possibility that these planets might even foster life of their own. Mm. What? And he insisted that maybe the universe was infinite and maybe Mm. had no real center. Like maybe we're not even the center of it. I mean, obviously, I'm the center of the universe. (laughs) Like, clearly it's me. You're wrong. (laughs) Like, there are way more fringe ideas out uh-huh. there at the time. Uh, like, in comparison, Galileo's almost conservative. Does he have reasons to think these things? Or um, is he just guessing? He probably does. I mean, they, they can't be very good. Yeah. Because they're... Uh, their tools of measurement are not right. There. Right, they haven't even in, really invented the telescope yet. But he's not wrong. <laughs> like he's not wrong. I think it's just a good guess. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the sky long enough, <laughs> uh, I should also mention. Yeah, should also mention yeah. that these days at Padua are probably around when Galileo meets and possibly becomes friendly. With Cardinal Robert uh, Bellarmine. You mean friendly like they're friends or like romantic friendly? Probably not romantic. Okay. (laughs) Probably not. The way you said friendly was like, hmm? Friendly as in like history doesn't seem to know if they're Ah, friends. Frenemies. Or frenemies. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But. The, The girl at the party. There appears to be some amount of respect Anyway, despite okay. them not agreeing on certain issues. Everything. <laughs> but it speaks to Galileo's ability and his general personality that they're able to be civil. Yeah. A little bit about Bellarmine. He's a Jesuit, part of the Counter-Reformation, a very important man. He's uh, one part very important Catholic, one part professor. He's okay. very big in... Um, teachings. He yeah. writes uh, works that were banned in England by Elizabeth I um, on threats of execution. Cool. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> Wait, because he's Catholic or? He's, yeah, he's Catholic and he's very pro-Pope. Gotcha. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's a- I'm like, why would she be mad if he's the church man? Because he's Catholic. He's extremely Catholic. Extreme. Elizabeth, man. A very, uh, I would not describe her as very Catholic. We should, uh, I mean, well, obviously we're going to have to talk about her sometime, but, <laughs> yeah. like, it's just people, you know, like, her sister, 
mm-hmm. which you, you obviously will also talk about. Yeah. Bloody Mary. I like how it's like kind of weaving into what your topics are going to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like her sister Mary, right, is like famous for like killing Protestants. Mm-hmm. But then somehow Elizabeth isn't famous for killing Catholics. Yeah, that's the that's the golden power of good PR. Yeah. Uh-huh. And also um having someone she be. also having someone like Shakespeare on your payroll. Yep. To be honest. Yep. Uh like if you don't have Shakespeare on your payroll, you're not doing it right. <sighs> nope. You're not doing it right. But yeah, see, this is just a good example of her being like, ooh, you're gonna die because you're writing papers about Catholicism. Like Catholicism and also how the divine right of kings doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh oh. Yep. <laughs> Because <laughs> all she's got. Uh, we've talked about this before. The divine right of kings is the polar opposite of the papacy. Yeah. You can't really have both. Right. Because it's like somebody's talking to God and only one of them. Yep. One person has a direct line to God. Is it you or is it the Pope? Hmm? Who is it? The Pope thinks it's the Pope. And she's like, it's me or get out of my country <laughs> yeah. or you die. Also, we're not part of you. Uh, one last thing about Cardinal Bellarmine. Mm-hmm. He's one of the cardinals of the Inquisition who uh, sentenced that Copernican fringe weirdo, Giordano Bruno, to burn at the stake in 1600 for heresy. Oh, good. <laughs> That's who you should be friends with, Galileo. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You know, he's um, he just won't shut up. You're stupid. He just won't shut up. And they had to... Stop his tongue and turn him upside down and burn him, Alexis. What uh-huh. were they supposed to do? Yeah. And there's some contention that, you know, some people, of course, play it up really hard that he's a scientific martyr. Yeah, yeah. It was only about the Copernican theory, and some people play it up the other way, and it had absolutely nothing to do with astronomy, and it was only because he had, like, other heresies and... Right. Well, he's just crapping on the church in general. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, probably a bit of both. Probably. Probably a bit Usually of both. Usually the answer is both. Probably a bit of both. Yeah. Um, like, one of the problems with his trial, the inquisitors judged him heretical after Bruno had been repeatedly denied his right of appealing all questions of heresy to the Pope. They're <laughs> like, you're annoying and we're not going to let you... You don't get to talk to the Pope. We're not going to let you do that. To the cardinals who condemned him to death, Bruno said, you must feel more fear in pronouncing this sentence than I do upon hearing it. Hmm. And uh, that's pretty badass. It's, it's a little <laughs> not gonna lie. A little badass. <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, Bellarmine or Bellarmino mm-hmm. will adjudicate the Galileo case when it comes before the church the I first bet time. I he will. There's another cardinal of note on the Bruno trial, a cardinal Camilo Borghese, who is going to be the next pope. Oh, Paul V. I see. The one in charge when it happens. Great. And I think that's a wrap on the first episode. That's right. That's our first (laughs) part for Galero. Galero. And it's going to be a fun time. Now you got the good set up to get to that trial, baby. Who's going to burn? Who's going to live? Find out next time. Who's going to live in his house with an ankle bracelet? (laughs) (laughs) Like, mothers do it. (laughs) Wasn't it hysterical? Cut out some fancy little star shapes. <laughs> Put it on the window. Okay. Martha Stewart. Put them on your ceiling. <laughs> Felon. <laughs>
man. My favorite thing about that cooking show with Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg yeah. was that she was, like, the hardest criminal on that show. Right. <laughs> Snoop Dogg is no felon. <laughs> He's just, like, soft and high the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he pretended to be cool, but he's soft. But he's, he ain't never been to the clink. <laughs> but he's soft. Anyway. Anyway, thanks for listening to our episode today. There'll be another one coming mm-hmm. up next week to finish off Galileo. Galileo, Galileo. Figaro. Magnifico. Oh. <laughs> And uh, if you want to email us, you get hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com. How many things were wrong? (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about philosophy and math? Do you like math? Did you sneak out of your college courses to go to cool, hip, underground math concerts? Mathapalooza. Mathapalooza. (laughs) Let us know. Uh, You can leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes or uh, comment on CastBox or whatever. If your thing has a way to talk about us, do it. But be nice, please. I mean, if you can, be nice. Please be nice. Don't burn us at the stake. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, bye. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. She's just a poor boy from a poor family. <laughs>